There we go. All right, perfect. Okay, so that's done. Come here, slide one, play. All right, the floor Great. is yours, Maria. Thank you. Here you go. Can you come up? <laughs> You're yeah, like yeah, too come, far. Come, come to the front. To the Sorry. Front. Six feet, not Thanks, like man. six days. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, my name is Marina Abdelmalik. I'm currently a uh, Chief Family Medicine resident at uh, Trillium Health Partners. I'm actually going to be graduating in a week, and then I can say I am a full-on family doctor. So if anyone's looking for a family doctor, let me know. Taking new patients, and I'm a pretty good doc, I think. My mom says so, anyway. <laughs> so today we're talking about self-compassion and forgiveness. Um, this is a topic really near and dear to my heart. I think a lot of the times we downplay self-compassion. Uh, we think that it's important to be tough on ourselves, and we'll talk about the, uh, the myths after. This looks kind of bigger on my screen, but basically uh, this girl is like, I'm trying to practice self-compassion. Is it working? No, I think I'm failing. So the fallacy of self-compassion is when we think that we are not doing it properly, we start to get hard on ourselves. We're not practicing self-compassion. I love food puns, love, love, love food puns. So compassion fruit, get it? Passion fruit, get it? And then this is what I want you to say to yourself. I appreciate you, like a peach. And I love you very much. So com self-compassion, some people think that self-compassion is literally looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, oh, you know, you sexy hot thing, or you're so great, you're so cool. But that's not what self-compassion is about. That's pride. Self-compassion is about being kind to yourself, giving yourself the grace when you need it, whether you make a mistake or you don't. So I teach medicine, so I'm always used to disclosure of interest, but just for the sake of it. So we really all need to practice self-compassion. I am not even close to being an expert at self-compassion. I struggle with it every day, and it's definitely a learning process. Um, this is not meant to give direct advice, so if anyone is struggling and you want to talk after, I'm more than available. If you feel like you're struggling even more, please speak out, it's, it's really important. Um, so I am a little cheesy, but I'm still great, um, and I think that it's important for you guys to be great to yourselves too. And just an FYI, so um, before I went into medical school, I actually struggled with an eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, and thank God, by the grace of God and my family, I did recover and I wrote a book. Uh, it's called Recipe for Recovery, so shameless plug, look it up on Google, buy it, support eating disorder research, and I love puns, a latte. <laughs> They're cute, right? I bet you everyone who's watching this live or after is going to die of laughter on these things. So Dr. Kristen Neff, she is the queen of self-compassion. She's actually the one that coined self-compassion. Um, listen to her talks. Sometimes I, I do feel like they're a little bit too cheesy because she talks in this very compassionate voice. And for some of us, it's too much. But she has great research about self-compassion. And she basically says the gist of self-compassion is to treat yourself as if you're talking to a friend. And this is golden right here. A lot of the times, what you'll say to yourself, you would never, ever say to a friend. So, or if you did, you'd be a pretty awful friend and you probably wouldn't have friends. So hopefully you can remember that. There's three pearls of self-compassion. Uh, it's basically non-judgment, not judging yourself, instead being kind to yourself. Offering yourself compassion because we're all human. The struggle that you have, I guarantee you, somebody else struggles with it, whether you know it or not. Remember that what happens behind closed doors, often you don't see. So you might think everybody has it good, you might think people 
you know, look at that person, they have it put together. You might think I'm standing up here, look at her, she's public speaking, this is great, but everybody has their insecurities, everybody has their down days. So remember that you're not alone in this struggle. What you have been through, somebody most definitely has been through. And just not being judgmental. Instead of judging yourself, just take a step back and think, what's really going on here? And what are the thoughts going through my head? So these are basically the three pillars, um, self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Sometimes we think mindfulness is like the people that we see on TV, like crossing their fingers, doing their legs, whatever it is they're doing, hum, whatever sound they make. It's not mindfulness. I guess it is in the Buddhist tradition. The way I think about mindfulness and the way I teach it to my patients and the way self-compassion is supposed to be is being mindful of the thoughts that you're speaking to yourself. So, you know, I'll give you an example. <laughs> Today when I was uh, just after finishing work, you know, I had a tough day. I had a patient who was, I don't know, I guess they were just anxious. And I really felt that this was just something against me as a physician. I was like, wow, I must totally not know what I'm doing. Here I am, one week left of residency, I'm gonna fail, no one's gonna like me as a doctor. And then I stepped back and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. Like, would I say this to a co-resident? I, I probably wouldn't. I would never say you're failing residency, go back. I would say, no, you know, maybe the patient had a tough day. Or was there a different way you could have approached this patient? But I wouldn't be as hard on them. And that's checking my thoughts. It's slowing myself down and thinking, What's this story that I'm telling myself? What are the words that I'm saying to myself? So there's lots of benefits of self-compassion, and I'm not talking benefits like, oh, this is Marina just up here talking blah, blah, blah. It's actually well-documented in research. So anything, you name it, from physical to mental to emotional to spiritual. So, yeah. Is that better? Well, you could hear me before, I guess. <laughs> So from a spiritual benefit, I mean, we'll talk about some Bible verses later on, but God is the God of all compassion. God will never say, you know, you dumb child, you did X, Y, Z, doomed to hellfire forevermore. He's compassionate, he forgives, and he accepts us again and again. So it strengthens your relationship with God, it strengthens your faith. And on an emotional and mental level, I mean, you have decreased stress, there's decreased anxiety. It actually, there's research to show that blood pressure falls, um, if you're interested in weight regulation, it helps to control your weight. So not directly. It's not like, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, boom, 10 pounds gone. I love myself, I love myself, great, I'm a great Christian. It's more of the fact that as you do these things, you become more attuned to your needs. You become a better friend. You become more aware of what you need and how to keep yourself healthy on all of these levels. And socially as well. I mean, if I'm always dumbing myself down and saying, oh no, woe is me, I'm not good enough, this is bad. You can imagine that that doesn't really attract other people. People don't want to be around someone who's always sad. Not that you can't be sad. You have to show your emotions. But it's just about trying to spread, not necessarily the positivity, but being mindful of the stories that you're telling yourself and relaying that to others. So again, less likely to be depressed or anxious. So now we'll get a little bit into the biblical perspective. I was actually surprised when I was preparing this talk. Like, we know God is compassionate, but when you open the Bible and you look at all these wonderful verses, it's really amazing how much there is in there. So, um, first, St. Paul says, put on a heart of compassion and kindness, lowliness and humility. So, God wants us to put on a heart of compassion, not just to other people, but to ourselves. And honestly, you cannot extend compassion to other people unless you extend it to yourself first. If you give everything to other people, and you're saying, yes, you're the best, no, you're great, no, you're wonderful, but you're always putting yourself down. There's a disconnect there. You need to be internally at peace with yourself in order to project it to others. So Jesus says, love your neighbors as yourself. 
I mean, I, he couldn't have said, love your neighbor as your neighbor. It doesn't make sense. You need to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Uh, and David says, I praise you, for I am wonderfully and fearfully made. David knew. David knew that God's creation was wonderful. It was perfect. And when God created each and every one of you, he saw it and he said what? He said that it was good. He didn't say this is awful, it's terrible, I made a mistake, erase, rewind, let's go back to day six and do it again. He made it perfectly and wonderfully made. And finally, the father of all compassion and comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulations. Every struggle that you go through, God is aware. He sees and he hears and he delivers and he offers that compassion back to you. There are a lot of biblical and church examples of self-compassion applied. And this doesn't mean, you know, you watch a saint movie back in the day or you read a story and you're like, wow, that person really loves themselves. It's more looking in the message behind the story. So I think St. Peter is probably like the first example I thought of when I was preparing this. St. Peter in terms of self-compassion. So he was so close to Jesus, so close. And yet, boom, like that, he was able to deny Jesus. And then the rooster crowed and we know the story. And he came back. And when Jesus asked him, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he went back, and I mean, St. Peter, he wrote things in the Bible, it, it's St. Peter who doesn't know him. But imagine if he got stuck in the cycle of, oh no, like, I'm so bad. How could I deny Jesus? How could I deny him? Nope, I'm terrible, I'm awful. No, that's what Judas did. And, I mean, we all know how that story ended. So thank God for St. Peter. Matthew, he was a tax collector, socially shunned. People did not like tax collectors at that time. Tax collectors, I mean, it's like the CR today. CRA, they take your money, that's it. But he followed Jesus. He became an evangelist. He wrote the gospel. The Samaritan woman, she went and got water at the well when nobody else was there because she knew that people did not like her. She knew that people did not like the way she was living her life. What if she went and met Jesus at the well and then she was like, nope, I just, I don't have the ability to go back to other people because I'm not good enough. She would never have shared the story and so many people wouldn't have believed. St. Moses the Strong, so some people know him as St. Moses the Black. I mean, I don't know who isn't familiar with his story. A thief, sexual immorality, all of the above. If he did not practice self-compassion, I mean, where would he be, right? St. Augustine, as you guys know, he was a big sinner. Uh, his mother prayed for him for years and years and years. And if he got stuck in the, oh, woe is me cycle, he would have never been where he is today. And the final example I have, I'm sure you can think of so much more, is St. Mary, uh, Mary of Egypt. She was also engaged in many wrongful acts. And finally, when she heard of God, she turned back from her ways and she became a Christian. I'm sure you can think of more examples. If you think of anyone really bright in your head, tell me afterwards. Because after this, I was like, I'm sure there are more, but they're not sticking out to me now. Uh, so why is it so hard? Oh my gosh, self-compassion is so hard. I actually, I had a Mentimeter full before this but I was having some technological issues, so I didn't put it. So I'm going to ask everyone here, how many of you guys growing up actually were taught to be self-compassionate to yourself? Like, actually taught. And I'm not talking like, sit down, you know, Marina, we have to be nice to ourselves. I'm not talking like that. I mean, maybe it was role model to you, or maybe you were being really harsh on yourself, and a parent or a teacher said, you know, don't say that to yourself. How many people? Okay, yeah, next question. How many people were taught to be compassionate to other people when that happened? I hope so. <laughs> okay, great. So, I mean, yeah, for a lot of us, we grew up in homes that maybe didn't emphasize self-compassion a lot. Um, 
this is not to be stereotypical, but most of us do grow up in the Egyptian or Arab cultures where um, being self-compassionate might be seen as you're being lazy or you're not accounting for your mistakes, you're giving self, yourself the leeway to do wrong things. So, so many times we're actually told that self-compassion means that you're prideful. Self-compassion means that you won't take responsibility or onus for your mistakes. A lot of times, again, especially in our culture, and I actually think in our generation today, maybe it's becoming a little bit better with mental health, but uh, there's still a big gap there. We're taught to distract or ignore emotions. So if we feel sad, no, 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 don't feel sad, feel better soon. Or if we feel you know, angry, no, let's not talk about it now. Let's just pretend it never happened and move on. So this repressing of emotions does not allow us to practice self-compassion. We're not given an opportunity to really watch the stories and messages that we're telling ourselves. And again, like I remember when I was young, we're told that if we sin, God is angry. God is not an angry God. He is a loving and forgiving God. But when we are younger, and you know, our parents are trying to get us, like, I don't know, to put money in the donation box way back when, you know, they say, like, if you take this money and you buy the chocolate bar outside, God is going to get mad, or the poor people are going to be starving, things like that. That's maybe the way it taught us as kids, but it's not a self-compassionate approach. We've never been role models to be self-compassionate, and sometimes we confuse compassion with self-esteem, and this is a big no-no, so we're going to talk about that. So on the top is self-esteem, on the bottom is self-compassion. So really, really big difference. Self-esteem is how we evaluate ourselves, and it's based on things that we necessarily can't control. How we look, our accomplishments, our achievements. We, in order to have self-esteem, sometimes we only try to focus on the good. We try to repress or ignore our faults or our mistakes. So self-esteem is, I am proud of my achievements, and I know that I did one heck of a good job. But that kind of relies me on actively doing something. It doesn't allow room for me to stumble and fall. And as a human, I stumble and I fall many, many times. And that's where self-compassion comes in. Self-compassion says, yes, I stumble and I fall, and that's okay, because other people stumble and fall too. I stumble and I fall, and that's okay, because God is forgiving, and I can accept that I stumble and fall. And the difference from that in laziness is, Laziness would say, okay, I stumble and fall, and that's okay, I'm human, because who doesn't make mistakes? And you stop there. Self-compassion says, everyone makes mistakes. What can I learn from this? And what do I need to say to myself right now in order to move on? So it goes one step further. I love this. This, uh, this is from Lion King. So when my sister watches this after, she'll, this is, there's an internal joke. At this point, if you guys have seen Lion King, um, it's when Simba is looking up in the sky and he sees um, Mufasa. Yeah, I was going to say Mustafa. <laughs> he sees Mufasa and um, he goes, remember. And it's kind of like a really creepy but homey cute scene at the same time. And he goes, <laughs> I don't want to say it because I don't want to creep people out. But he goes, remember who you are. And it's actually really cute if you think about it. He, he tells him, you know, he goes, look inside. You are more than what you have become. So... I'm more than a doctor. You are more than a pharmacist, than a lawyer. You are more than a son, than a daughter. You are more than a partner. You are more than a husband, than a wife. It's not about your accomplishments. So, I mean, shout out to Disney because there are lots of good pearls in Disney. And, uh, I, sorry, I just have to say this. Nancy, when you watch this, remember who you are. <laughs> She'll get it after. You creeped me out that part. 
Okay, so myths about self-compassion. We talked about this. Basically, top myth, you're not lazy for practicing self-compassion. Self-compassion is not an excuse to make mistakes. It's not everybody stumbles and falls, so I can just go rob the corner gas door and it'll be okay because who doesn't make mistakes? It's not an equivalent to making silly, dumb, stupid mistakes that you know that you shouldn't do. It's being compassionate to yourself by being mindful of the thoughts you're having, the story that you're telling yourself, the internal dialogue that's been going on there. I think a lot of the times we're not, um, we're not quick to recognize that internal dialogue. So as a personal example, I mean, I remember when I was struggling with my eating disorder, uh, the self-compassion was just non-existent. It was, you know, I have this illness, I am wrecking my family's life, I'm never going to account to anything worthwhile, I'm never going to be in a relationship, I'm never going to have a family, I'm never going to get out of the hospital, I'm dumb, I'm worthless, this is stupid, and nothing ever good is going to come of this. God probably hates me too because I'm starving and I'm going to die. In recurring ways. And that's, that's pretty harsh, right? Like, I mean, maybe nobody will say this, but on the other side, if you heard somebody talking like that to themselves, it sounds really harsh. I'm sure each of you have had a point in your lives, maybe recurring times in your lives, where you have maybe a fall, or you have a mistake, and you say things like this to yourself. If nobody talks that mean to themselves, then I should just be kicked out of here and get out, because maybe I'm alone in that. But I'm sure we all kind of have something along that spectrum. Maybe you're a little bit, you know, you spaz at a parent one day, and you're like, oh, I'm the worst kid ever. Or you have to pay interest on a bill, and you're like, oh, I'm so dumb, I always forget things. That's okay if that happens. We're human, we're reactive to situations. Self-compassion asks you to take a step back and say, am I really the dumbest person in the world because I have to pay interest on a bill? Does the fact that I am XYZ age old and not in a relationship really mean that it's hopeless? Does the fact that I get into an argument every day with my friends mean that I'm a loner and that I'm a social outcast? So it's these extremes that we really want to get down to, not being harsh on ourselves. Again, a ton of verses in the Bible, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. So now it's a step above. It's not just loving yourself as you love your neighbors. It's being compassionate, like the God of all grace is compassionate to you. This, um, this verse is beautiful. It's from the story of the Samaritan woman. Um, oh, sorry, the Samaritan woman? No, it's another woman. Sorry, the woman who's um, sinning. And the Jews kind of grab her and literally like throw her in front of Jesus and everyone else. And they all grab stones and they want to stone her. Does this like ring a bell? Does everyone remember yeah. the story? Yeah. And what does Jesus say? He goes, cool, like stone her. But the person who does not have any sin be the first person to throw a stone. And obviously everyone's like, okay, see you later. So they go. So he says to the woman, who condemned you? And she looks around and she's like terrified. I mean, I don't know what it feels like to be stoned, but it's, I mean, it doesn't sound really fun. So she says, no one. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. That is, that is compassion. He doesn't say, cool, you're not a sinner. No, he says, just, okay, go your way, learn from your mistakes, and sin no more. He does not condemn her. It's, it's really, it's beautiful. It's the face of all compassion right there in Jesus' actions. The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, and he's full of all compassion and mercy. 
So some compassion curls. So I love this. So I never think or I never thought that I was a bully until I heard the way I speak to myself. And then I realized that I owe myself an apology. I think we all owe ourselves an apology. And again, getting back to the mushy-gushy stuff, it's not about standing in front of a mirror and saying, oh, you beautiful thing, oh, you're so handsome, I'm so sorry for hurting you. Some people do that. I know Dr. Kristen Ness, she actually asks that we do that. And I think if you can get to that stage, great. I'm personally not there at talking to myself and saying sorry. But it is about being able to say, that was really harsh, let me take a step back. There's really no right way to do self-compassion. This is the way I practice self-compassion. I practice self-compassion by being mindful of my thoughts. Um, one of the biggest things that's helped me along my journey with self-compassion is thinking, how would I talk to a friend or a loved family member if they were in this situation? Would I tell them that you know, they were really silly for not acing that work project? Would I tell them, oh, it's just downhill from here, say goodbye to a relationship, a career, and et cetera? Or would I be more friendly with them? Would I tell them the facts, give them the evidence of what's happening and what's not happening, and then try to comfort them at that time? You really need to find what works for you. Some people journal. Um, I like to write things down. It helps me clear out my head. Some people find that a little bit too tedious. They put it on their phone. Some people just talk to their priest, their father of confession, a friend or a family member. Some people talk to their doctors. Some people talk to their therapists. So you need to find what works for you. But there is a wrong way. And the wrong way to do self-compassion is either A, using it as an excuse to not work hard enough. So again, you know, everybody is late once in a while to a work meeting. What's the problem if I just show up half an hour late? That's using it as an excuse to do something. Um, or it's also the wrong way to do it is if you try self-compassion in the moment and you expect instant gratification. So you can imagine, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Um, you just got into a fight with one of your friends because you had an arrangement that you were going to meet one day and they had a last minute cancellation so they didn't show up. So you yell at them and you're like, oh, you're never here for me, you always do this. And then you feel really bad, you're like, oh, I should not have been that emotional with them. And you're like, okay, that's okay, Marina, that's okay. You know, everybody makes mistakes, just, just feel better. Guaranteed 99%, I'm not going to feel better after that. You're expecting instant gratification. Am I better yet? Why is this not working? Oh, but, but I practice self-compassion. Self-compassion isn't a quick fix. You have to practice it again and again and again and be reasonable with what you're saying to yourself. Like I said, it takes practice. So I like this graphic. I'm not gonna go through it one by one. Um, if you're interested, I can send you my slides or you can just like literally Google reframing compassion. It's actually kind of small, I don't even think I can see it from here. Um, but just some examples. So you had a tough day at work and this is like a typical scenario. I personally have not gone through it, but oh God, God forbid I go through it. So you bump your car, it leaves a dent. You return home, you burst at your significant other. And now you're thinking, great, like I'm an awful person sucky driver, why did they let me behind the wheel? I'm also a sucky partner, I yelled at them. Another example, again, you forget to pay the bill, then it accumulates, you have to pay interest fees, you start to get a headache, now you're feeling really groggy, you're feeling really irritable, you sleep in, you're now late for a meeting, consequence leads to consequence to consequence, and you're just thinking like, I can't get a break, my family's trying to help me, I'm awful, I'm a burden, I'm sitting here at home, I'm doing nothing, 
So you can see how you can reframe these. And I mean, I would ask for volunteers, but I'm going to make you talk after. So, you know, did you really prove that you're the worst driver in the world? Everyone gets into accidents. Are you really a burden on your family because you had a headache and you needed help once in a while? No. Would you say these things to a friend? Probably not. So when it doesn't work, so I, I think I say this like about every verse in the Bible, one of the best verses in the Bible, the love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies are renewed every morning, great is his faithfulness. God's mercies and God's love and compassion are renewed every morning. There is no end to how much he loves you, to how much he cares for you, to how much he wants you to be kind to yourself. So if it doesn't work, think about if you're being optimistic or compassionate. Optimism is, nope, 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 everything is fine, I'm good, it's all good, no big deal. That's not self-compassion. Self-compassion is, yes, I made a mistake. It really sucks. What am I going to do next? Also, try to see if you're ignoring your emotions. Ignoring emotions is going to lead you down not only a route of self-hatred, but also many, many other problems and difficulties in the future. We can have a whole other talk about why you should not repress your emotions. Differentiate it also from self-esteem. Self-compassion is not self-esteem. Sometimes you need to get out of your own head. Sometimes if you try to practice self-compassion or you're just not in the space, you're going to end up in a circle. So maybe you need to take a step back and talk to somebody about it, whoever that person might be. And pray. None of us can get by with anything with God. I, am, I will testify and testimony to that as well. Um, God will provide you with the strength and the courage and the ability to practice compassion if you ask him. And I know it sounds like a cheesy thing, like, you know, there's people starving in Africa, and here we're dealing with the COVID virus. How can I ask God to provide me with compassion? But pray, God, I'm really struggling to be nice to myself, and I dislike myself. I dislike what I'm doing. I feel like I'm sinning. I feel like I'm not good enough. Help me. God wants you to love yourself. He wants you to be compassionate to yourself. <laughs> I like this. So talk to yourself. Of course I need to talk to myself. I need expert advice. That's key funnier than that. <laughs> so, self-compassion is self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. It's not being lazy. Please, please, please do not confuse it with being lazy or giving yourself an excuse to make mistakes. It's different from optimism. It's different from self-esteem. Treat yourself like you would a friend. If all else fails, pray and treat yourself like you would treat a friend. I guarantee if you talk to yourself the way you talk, sorry, if you talk to yourself, if you talk to friends the way you talk to yourself, you'd probably be pretty friendless. And remember that God, he, he really is. He really is the God of all compassion. And keep trying. I struggled with, with self-compassion on my way today. I'm probably going to struggle with self-compassion on my way home and after this talk is done. It's not like one day is the day where I'm like, yes, cha-ching, self-compassion, got it, could have put it on my degree. It's a work in progress, and you're always going to have to work on it. And it's not a girl thing, just to put a myth there. I think, I know that sometimes we have this feeling or this theory based on the stereotypes that guys don't struggle, that guys don't have self-esteem or self-compassion issues, um, that guys can't talk about their emotions, but people struggle. And I am, I'm actually really fortunate to be in the place where I have patience and I hear people's problems all day, every day. And sometimes you'll never know what the person in front of you is struggling with. So guys, girls, old, young, everyone can and needs to practice self-compassion. 
So we'll do a little activity, but first I'm going to open it for questions. Um, this is nice. Take care to how to speak to yourself because your mind is always listening. And it's true. The words that you continuously say to yourself, there's research that our brain internalizes that. Our brain is very good on picking up on patterns. And the more I tell myself X, Y, Z, the more I will begin to believe X, Y, Z. That's how conspiracies are made. So you need to tell yourself, the way I speak to myself matters. The words and the messages that I internalize and that I vocalize to my brain are embedded and ingrained in my brain. And that's the way that you can begin to practice self-compassion. <laughs> and last and more, worry less going on with our food funds. So before we do a little activity, uh, I'll open the floor for questions. And I can say, you know, questions about self-compassion. I can answer COVID questions if we go through the self-compassion questions, but let's try to focus in on something related to this. There's always a question about COVID when you say you're a physician, um, but let's try to keep it related to this. And then after that, um, we can open the floor to anyone else. Yeah. I know you mentioned there's a difference between self-compassion and making excuses. Yeah. At what point, or how do you differentiate between the two? What's the best way to differentiate between the two? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a, it's a tough question. So the question was, there's a differentiation between self-compassion and making excuses, and how do you tell the difference between the two? Uh, I think internally, we all have our voice of conscience that kind of knows when we're making an excuse for ourselves um, and when we're actually being self-compassionate. And it's also, I think, the, the dialogue that follows. So like an example, let's see. So I think um, the other day I, I came home like pretty tired and mom, my mom, bless her heart, hi mom, if you're watching, we're going to watch later. Um, I was like, oh, I had the worst day ever, mom. I am so tired. Nobody understands me. And my mom was like, I understand you. And I'm like, you don't even understand me. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that. I'm an adult, but it happens. And I was, after that, I was like, oh God, like I am the worst daughter ever. And I was like, no, 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 you're a good daughter. Everyone is allowed to, to have these outbursts. And I was like, but I disrespected my mom. Yeah, but like, you were tired and, and you're a doctor. Like, it's, you're an adult now. I'm sure that there were days when she yelled at you. And it's pretty clear when one is an excuse, right? Like, are, is it really okay to just yell at anyone because you've had a difficult day and you're an adult? No. And my mom was not too happy about that either. And then let me know that she's still my mom at the end of the day. So that's a difference. The other side would have been, but it's been a really tough day and I'm really tired. I should not have spoken to my mom like that, but I'm tired. Let me go apologize. Let me take a step back and then I'll make things right. Does that make sense? You, you know which path you're going down. And if you don't, think about it. If my friend did X, Y, Z, what would I think of them? Yeah. Would I think that they were making an excuse to just go do something? Or would I think that you know, they're just practicing self-compassion? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a good question. Any other questions? There is mud. Any COVID questions? <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna need a booster shot. I don't know when it's gonna be all over. <laughs> Keep wearing your mask. Good? Question right here. Okay, yeah. How would you go about, uh, I guess, starting the process within self-compassionate? Yeah, so where's, where's like the first step to take if you're not necessarily that self-compassionate? So it's gonna sound cheesy, but hear me out on it because I thought it was cheesy when people said it to me. Uh, you, you need to love yourself. And I don't mean love yourself like, you know, oh, I'm great. I mean, you need to really be honest with yourself and say, where are the areas that I need to work on self-compassion? So I, I think we all have those areas. 
we all have areas where we maybe struggle a little bit more in the self-compassion department. So for me, again, like full disclosure, it's always been feeling like I'm a burden. It's been feeling like I've been a burden on my family for when I was ill. And so a lot of the times, my self-compassion meanie voice will come out like that example, when I'm tired and I spaz at my family, like, oh, I put them through so much, how can I do that? Or if I haven't given a patient enough time and I feel like, well, I've been through so much, why can't I be a good doctor? For other people, maybe self-compassion is the biggest area in their sin. They have the same sin that they do over and over again, and they're always mean to themselves on that. So it's, it's really about owning yourself. You can't be self-compassionate until you're honest with yourself. And I think if you struggle with that, it's a good idea to talk to someone safe and just ask them, like, when am I really harsh on myself? And get them to tell you that. They'll tell you. If they love you and they're honest with you, they'll tell you, or your father of compassion. And once you know that, you go, okay, what is the story I'm telling myself? Because remember, everything you say to yourself, you internalize. So if you, that's why I like writing it down, because literally, in my, in my toughest days, when I would write down, I am a burden, my family hates me, I am no good, and I read it, I'm like, wow, imagine reading that to a friend. Imagine if a friend read that. And you're able to kind of hear the way you speak to yourself. And then you try to see how you can make the dialogue as if you would speak to a friend. You keep practicing it every day. Literally, the number of times I have to stop my thoughts and say, this is really harsh. You need to check that thought. It, I can't even count it on my fingers in the number of days. But that's because I'm always scanning my thoughts because I know that I'm not that great at self-compassion. And if I don't do that, I'm, I'm probably be depressed. We all would be. Does that help? Any other questions? No? Give me time? Okay. We're all a quiet group, but we're going to try it yourself. Um, this is a steak, by the way. I thought it was an avocado at first, but get it? It's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> I know, it's cute. Okay, so we was going to do breakout rooms because this was originally supposed to be on Zoom, but because we're all together, um, we can all just do it together. So, partner and plumbing woes. So, I made up these scenarios. They are not based on a true story, just to say. They're actually not. So you're typing a thank you email to a potential employer after a really important interview for a promotion. All of a sudden, your partner comes in and they ask you, did you call the plumber yet to fix that toilet that they've been telling you about for like the past two weeks? And you're like, oh God, like I totally did not. And you're frustrated because here you are typing this really important thank you email, whatever. You say, no, nope, do it later. And you turn back to your screen and you're like, okay, why am I on the main screen page? and your heart pretty much stops the beat. So you go to your send folder, and you see that you sent the email as you were just talking mindlessly to your partner. And instead of saying, I look forward to the new opportunity, you say, I look forward to this cleared toilet. <laughs> and now it sets. So it's funny, but, yeah, I know it, it is funny. But if it happened to you, like actually put yourself in this position, like you're actually just applied for a job, and that's what you wrote and you just yelled at your partner as well, and now you said, like, I look forward to the clear toilet. Like, there's your job. What, what's the first thought? I'm not gonna actually say this. Like, you say it and I'll call it up to the mic so people can hear. What's the first thought that you get in your head when you see that? Keep it PG. Yeah, the shh. Mm. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, <laughs> really. What do you think about yourself? What do you say to yourself? Yay, my employer is going to laugh and ask about the toilet story. Like, really, what do you say to yourself? I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to get this job. If you've been trying for employment, it's going to be 
there's another job I messed up. I'm never going to have a job. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, some people might blame the partner and be like, oh, it's all because they came in. But eventually you'd be like, how could I do this mistake? Like, there was so much banging on this. I am just like a failure. I think that's pretty typical. What would you say in a compassionate way? Or what would you say to a friend? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just one application. It's just one job. Are you a failure? No. Like, we all make mistakes. Maybe next time, don't type mindlessly. Answer one thing at a time. Next time, call the plumber right away when your partner asks you. Or you could recall the email, but I've tried to do that on several occasions. Not this one. This is not a true story, but some emails don't let you recall the emails. So you can see the, the story that we're telling ourselves you're a failure, you're never going to get a job, and it was just one application, it's okay. They're very different. So check that thought. Go through it in your head. So mom and misery. <coughs> this one. For those of you who don't speak Arabic, Habibi is like my love or my heart. So it's been a long week, it's been a long month. For those of us in the COVID pandemic, it's been a long two years and counting. You get a bill in the mail that's got extra money on it because you forgot to pay it, so now it's got interest. And your mother calls you, she lives separate, and she goes, Habibi, where have you been? You haven't called me and dad yesterday. You're supposed to call me every day. And by the way, your brother or your sister, they call me every single day and they always check on us. Where have you been? Like, oh, you think that just because you're an adult, you're a big kid now, you don't have to check on mama and baba who helped you and got you to where you are, this is, this is tough, we miss you, and she pulls, she pulls the guilt trick, and now you're just like, okay. Meanwhile, your best friend is getting married, and they wanna help you to plan the party, and your dating life is not so good right now. It's COVID, it's stagnant, the online, nothing is working. And you see everybody getting married, you see everybody having babies, like there's no tomorrow, and you are like, okay. What is going on in my life right now? I am never going to have a family. I'm never going to end up in a relationship. So now you're frustrated and you just, you, you give it to your mom. You're like, mom, listen, you know, I'm an adult. Things are busy. You have no idea how difficult it is to be my life. You're old. You've lived your life. Say goodbye. You need to leave me alone. And, you know, your poor mom being the cute little mom on the phone or your dad, whoever, they go like, okay, okay. But, it, but is, is that a way to speak to your mom? And that's the end of the conversation. So again, like, you know, we might smile, we might laugh, but it could happen. And it doesn't have to be to your parents, it could be to anyone. So what are the thoughts in your head after you speak to your mom like this? What are the first things, especially after she says, like, okay, like, I, I just wanted to make sure you were okay and I was just checking on you. What do you say to yourself? Wow, I'm a terrible son or daughter. Yeah, I'm a terrible son, I'm a terrible daughter. How could I be so harsh with my parents? What's something that you would say to a friend? Not you. Somebody else. It's okay, we could, yeah, not you. We can say, oh, nice. I'm quite self-compassionate, so I wore comfortable shoes. It's all good. <laughs> what would you say to a friend? No, like if a friend was telling you, oh, I'm so bad because I said this to my parents, or because I'm not in a relationship yet, I'm never going anywhere in life. 
Yeah. Like, have you just tried apologizing? Maybe, maybe they'll understand if you explain it. No, you're not the only one who's not in a relationship. That's why there's, you know, online dating. If a relationship is what you want, keep praying about it. If that's not God's will for you, then ask him to show you what is. Very different messages that we give to ourselves than that we would give to a friend. So I always find these exercises important. I use this technique a lot like with myself. I use it with my patients because it's quite interesting and quite incredible when you compare the stories that you tell yourself and the stories that you tell other people. It's, it's quite powerful. So that's it. Um, I hope, wait, was this it? I don't think, yeah, that's it. I hope that was helpful. Um, I hope that you learned something about self-compassion. Again, um, so you can follow me on my website. You can buy my book and support research. Um, you can ask me any questions. And yeah, I hope that you guys could be a little bit more compassionate with yourselves because God really is good. He gives so much grace and so much compassion. And the more you start to practice compassion with yourself and really notice the stories you tell yourself, uh, the more you'll learn to, to love yourself, not because you're full of pride, but to love yourself because, like, like David said, right, you are wonderfully and fearfully made, and you really are. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. Uh, just one more time for those who might have come in, oops, might have come in late. What is the name of your book? Recipe for Recovery, I Battled and Overcame an Eating Disorder, and You Can Too. And they can find it on? Uh, I think it's on Indigo and Amazon. Okay. It's a pretty old book. It's about 12, 12 years old now, but I think it's still, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite come a long way. It's evidence-based, so if anyone's interested. Perfect. Thank you.